Chapter 13 of the Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheridan Lafanu. Chapter Thirteen An Inspection of Carwell Grange Through an open door at the end of this short gallery, the pleasant firelight gleamed, sufficiently indicating the room that had been prepared for her reception. She felt a little oddly and frightened at the sight of old Ducy Bella Crane in the cheerful light busily unpacking her boxes reassured her the grim old woman mildred tarnley stopped at the door it's very well aired ma'am she said making a little curtsy it looks very comfortable thank you everything so neat and such a bright nice fire said alice smiling on her as well as she could there's the tapestry room and the leather room, but they're not so dry as this, though it's wainscot. Oak, I think, isn't it? said the young lady, looking round. Yes, ma'am, and there's a pink paper chamber and dressing room, but they've gone very poor, and the bed and all that's being in here, I thought twas the best o' the lot and there's lots of presses and cupboards in the wall and the keys in them and the locks all right and i do think it's the most comfortable room my lady that is the dressing-room in there please and you light some more wood or coal on the fire ma'am not any it is very nice thanks and alice sat down before the fire and the smile seemed to evaporate in its glow, and she looked very grave and even anxious. Mildred Tarnley made her curtsy, looked round the room, and withdrew. Well, Dulcie Bella, when are you going to have your tea? asked Alice kindly. I'll make a cup here, dear, if you think I may after i've gotten your things in their places in a few minutes time would you like that better than taking it downstairs with a servant yes dear i would i don't think you like her dulcie bella i can't say i mislike her dear i han't spoke ten words where she may be very nice i don't know there's something not very pleasant about her face, don't you think? said Alice. Well, dear, but you are sharp. There's no hiding my thoughts from you, but there's many a face we gets used to that doesn't seem too agreeable like at first. I think this rack'll do very nice for hanging your cloak on, she said, taking it from the young lady's hands. You're a bit tired, I'm afeard. You look a bit tired, you do. 
No, nothing, said her young mistress. Only I can't help feeling sorry for poor old Wyvern and the squire. Old Mr. Fairfield It seems so unkind, and there was a good deal to think about, and I don't know how I feel a little uncomfortable in spite of so much that should cheer me and now i must run down and take a cup of tea come with me to the top of the stairs and just hold the candle till i've got down when she reached the head of the stairs she was cheered by the sound of charles fairfield's voice singing in his exuberant jollity the appropriate ditty jenny put the kettle on barney blowed the bellows strong etc and hurrying downstairs she found him ready to make tea with his hand on the handle of the teapot and the fire brighter than ever well you didn't stay very long good little woman i was keeping up my spirits with a song and in spite of my music beginning to miss you and meeting her as she entered the room he led her with his arm around her waist to a chair in which with a kiss he placed her all this seems to me like a dream i can't believe it but if it be woe to the fool who wakes me no darling it's no dream is it he said smiling and kissed her again the happiest day of my life he said and through his eyes smiled upon her a flood of the tenderest love a little more such talk and then they sat down to that memorable cup of tea the first in our own house the delightful independence the excitement the importance all our own cups spoons rooms servants and the treasured figurine and the haven of all our hopes no longer doubtful or distant glorious beautiful dream from which death wrinkles duns are quite obliterated sip while you may your pleasant cup of madness from that fragile pretty china and may the silver spoon wherewith you stir it prove to have come into the world at the moment of your birth where fortune is said to place it sometimes next morning the sun shone clear over carwell grange bringing into sharp relief the joints and wrinkles of the old grey masonry the leaves and tendrils of the ivy and the tufts of grass which here and there sprout fast in the chinks of the parapet and casting with angular distinctness upon the shingled roof the shadows of the jackdaws that circled about the old chimney a twittering of small birds fills the air and the solemn cawing comes mellowed on the ear from the dark rookery at the other side of the ravine that crossing at the side of the grange debouches on the wider and deeper glen that is known as the vale of carwell 
youth enjoys a change of abode and with the instinct of change and adventure proper to its energies delights in a new scene charles fairfield accompanied his young wife who was full of curiosity and her head busy with a hundred plans as in gay and eager spirits she surveyed her little empire this is the garden i tell you lest you should mistake it for the forest where the enchanted princess slept surrounded by great trees and thickets it excels even the old garden at wyvern there are pear trees and plum and cherry and apple upon my word i forgot they were so huge and the jungles are of raspberries and gooseberries and currants did you ever see such thickets and nettles between i'm afraid you'll not make much of this when i was a boy those great trees looked as big and moss-grown as they do now and bore such odd crabbed little fruit and not much even of that it will be quite beautiful when it is weeded and flowers growing in the shade and climbing plants trained up the stems of the trees and it shan't cost us anything but you'll see how wonderfully pretty it will be but what is to become of all your pretty plans if flowers won't grow without sun i defy any fairy even my own bright little one to make them grow here but if you won't be persuaded by all means let us try i think there's sunshine wherever you go and i should not wonder after all if nature relented and beautiful miracles were accomplished under your influence i know you were laughing at me she said no darling i'll never laugh at you you can make me believe whatever you choose and now that we have looked over all the wild beauties of our neglected paradise in which you good little creature you are resolved to see all kinds of capabilities and perfections suppose we go now to the grand review of our goods and chattels that you planned at breakfast cups saucers plates knives forks spoons and all such varieties oh yes let us come rye it will be such fun and so useful and old mrs tarnley said she would have a list made out said alice to whom the new responsibilities and dignities of her married state were full of interest and importance so in they came together and called for old mildred with a list of their worldly goods and they read the catalogue together with every now and then a peal of irrepressible laughter i had not an idea how near we were to our last cup and saucer said charles and the dinner service is limited to seven plates two of which are cracked 
the comic aspect of their poverty was heightened perhaps by mrs tarnley's peculiar spelling the old woman stood in the doorway of the sitting-room while the revision was proceeding mightily displeased at this levity looking more than usually wrinkled and bilious and rolling her eyes upon them from time to time with a malignant ogle i was never good at the pen i know that but your young lady desired me and i did my best and very despicable it be no doubt said mildred with grisly scorn oh my i am so sorry i assure you mrs tarnley pray tell her charlie we were laughing only at there being so few things left left i don't know what you mean by left ma'am there's not another woman as ever i saw would keep his bit of delt and cheney half as long as me i never was counted a smasher of things no more i was but we didn't think you broke them did we charlie appealed poor little alice who being new to authority was easily bullied nonsense old mildred don't be a fool said charles fairfield not in so conciliatory a tone as alice would have wished well fools easily said and there's no lack of fools high or low master charles and i don't pretend to be no scholar but i've read that o'er much laughing ends oft times in o'er much crying the lord keep us all from grief hold your tongue what a bore you are exclaimed he sharply mrs tamley raised her chin and looking askance but made no answer she was bitter why the devil old mildred can't you try to look pleasant for once he persisted i believe there's not a laugh in you nor even a smile is there i'm not much given to laughing thank you sir and there's people mayhap should be less so if they'd only take warning and mind what they seed overnight and if the young lady don't want me no longer i'd be better back in the kitchen before the chicken burns for lily's out in the garden rootin out the potatoes for dinner and after a moment's silence she dropped a little curtsy and assuming permission took her departure End of chapter thirteen